Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Head of Market Strategy here at eBrew, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Senior Market Analyst Roman Zuruk. Welcome back, everyone, to FX Talk, your fortnightly dose of news, updates, and insight into the foreign exchange market. Uh, we have a lot to get through uh, again today. There's plenty for us to talk about as it's been another pretty busy period uh, in markets since our last episode uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we've had a host of, of major economic data releases out of the main economic areas in the last few weeks, which have very much reshaped expectations for central bank interest rates. Generally speaking, we're seeing a couple of things. First of which, activity data out of most of the main economic areas is holding up better than expected, while at the same time, inflation data on the whole is is proving much more persistent uh, than had than had been hoped. Um, as a consequence of this, markets are now bracing for for higher interest rates for longer. Uh, most notably uh, in the US, of course, we've seen a, a string of surprises to the upside in recent US data, which has led to some hawkish, very hawkish comments from Chair of the FOMC, Jerome Powell. Uh, the latest GDP, retail sales, non-farm payrolls and inflation reports have all beat expectations in the past month. Well, last week we saw uh, another beat in the latest PMI data from ISM, which came in comfortably above the level of 50, while the latest uh, labour market data, particularly the jobless claims, um, have fallen again um, once more, showing no signs of recession or a significant downturn just yet. Uh, But what does this mean for markets? Well, investors have gone from pricing in one or two additional hikes from the Federal Reserve in the next few meetings to now expecting three or even four, uh, with Powell during his semi-annual testimony to Congress this week, opening up the possibility of a potential return to a 50 basis point rate hike at the next meeting uh, towards the end of March. Uh, The big question, though, for for FX market, uh, the FX market now is how long will the Fed keep raising interest rates? And will the FMC actually revert back to a 50 basis point rate hike later this month. What do you guys think? Um, I, I think that I mean, the, the market has had a, in this entire hiking cycle, has, has a history of consistently underestimating both uh, inflationary pressures and the Fed's willingness to uh, bring the inflation back to target. So I think that the trend still our friend, and I think that the market continues to underestimate the Fed's resolve. And um, I think that it's pretty clear that we're going to get a 50 basis point hike at the next uh, March meeting. And uh, frankly, what happens after that will depend on the next data points, uh, inflation in particular, obviously. Uh, but uh, to my mind, the one, the one thing that I am I'm fairly certain of is that we are going to get this 50 basis point hike from the Fed. I'm not actually convinced that this is a done deal, a 50 basis points. I think that we still have one important data point ahead of us on Friday, the non-farm payroll report and the latest non-farm payroll report and overall the data from the labor market has 
been very strong. But if we were to see a significant downside surprise in the data uh, for the first time in a while, I think that possibly this could uh, present an opportunity for the Fed not to raise rates by 50 basis points um, at the next meeting. Um, I also am starting to wondering whether the uh, hawkishness of the Fed uh, is not excessive because the labor market and overall many of the data points that I think the Fed is focusing on um, is kind of looking in the rear window. Mm, and uh, the effect of the tightening that we already had uh, right now has not yet been seen, but it's normal because there is a significant lag between the moment that the central bank starts to tighten and the moment that it has the effect uh, on the economic situation. So I'm not sure whether it wouldn't be um, perhaps wiser to wait a little bit more, especially since we are not seeing a increase in inflationary pressures. Wages are not picking up. In fact, the trend is the opposite way, even if it's only uh, perhaps the wages are stable or they are declining slowly, uh, the wage growth. Mm, so in this context, uh, I'm a bit uh, I'm a bit worried uh, whether we are not going to see over-tightening in the US and what this could mean for the rest of the world. Yes, yeah, so, I think you're right. I think Friday's payrolls report is going to be a key one. I think it takes on more importance now than we thought before Powell's comments uh, a few days ago. Um, and yeah, I know those comments from Powell that were quite extraordinary, really. I mean, I think markets were were very much bracing for, for Powell to say that the terminal US rate would likely land higher this year. That, that was no real surprise. But what was a, a big shock and did catch investors completely wrong-footed was his comment that the pace of hikes may be increased. Um, and I'm sort of more with you, Enrique. I think that's a pretty clear signal that the Fed is very much considering reverting back to a, a 50 basis point hike later this month. And that really, is quite, I think it's quite an embarrassing admission, to be honest. It's effectively saying that they got it wrong in February when they slowed the pace of hikes to 25 basis points. Um, so, so not a great look, but um, the data has been so good that I think that may well force the Fed's hand. Um, but, but clearly this, this Friday's payrolls report will be an important one. And you know, this month's FOMC meeting is going to be, um, I think, even more important one than we thought it was uh, would have been a, a couple of weeks ago. And now moving on, and we're going to talk about arguably the main talking point in markets last week, and that was the surprise to the upside in the latest Eurozone inflation data. Uh, we did see an easing in, in headline inflation in the Eurozone down to 8.5%, although that was still above the 8.3% priced in. Well, the call rate, which is more closely watched by the European Central Bank, that unexpectedly broke to fresh highs, up to 5.6% from the 5.3% uh, that was expected. Uh, the euro has actually held up better than almost all of its G10 counterparts in the last few weeks. Uh, there's a number of reasons as to why that is the case. First of all, activity data out of the block has largely held up better than expected. Fears surrounding the energy crisis have almost completely abated. While on the other hand, uh, as I mentioned, inflation in the block continues to remain very high, and that's causing investors to ramp up expectations for higher ECB rates. Um, much now, of course, uh, will depend on next week's European Central Bank meeting. 
I think the market is is generally of the consensus that a 50 basis point hike is all but guaranteed. But the key for the euro will be the bank's forward guidance. Um, the ECB is, is actually expected to be the most active central bank in the G10 this year. But the, the big question will be whether the governing council meets these very lofty expectations uh, when it meets for its March meeting next Thursday. Um, but over to you guys. What are you both expecting from the ECB next week? I mean, I, I think that we're going to that, that the ECB is really interested in making up for for lost time. Um, I think this is very important to note. I think that uh, a fifty basis point is pretty much baked in, in markets. It's what we expect as well. But the question is the uh, the intensity of the of the hawkish rhetoric, um, and I think that. Um, Whereas in the U.S., at least we had um, uh, uh, a few months in which uh, core inflation was trending down, we still had yet, have yet to see that in the eurozone. Um, I think that we're starting to the, the, this, we're starting to see a bit of a gap in credibility between the ECB and the, and the Federal Reserve. I think the ECB is aware of it, and I think that uh, that. Uh, we will see an attempt to close that gap at the meeting, and I expect quite quite hawkish rhetoric from President Lagarde. To me, in case of the eurozone, the fifty basis points is a done deal uh, at the next ECB meeting, contrary to the Fed. Mm, and uh, I'm wondering the most whether they would want to mm, guide the market uh, as for the meeting uh, in May, because they may want to indicate, as they did at the previous meeting with regards to March, they may indicate that they intend to hike by a certain amount. So uh, this is probably something that I would be the most interested in. Also, with regards to new forecasts, because on the one hand, we have uh, persistent core inflation, very high. Uh, but at the same time, we have this easing in energy prices, particularly the gas prices. So I would think that we may see a decline in uh, forecasted inflation, at least when it comes to the headline inflation. But at the same time, I wouldn't rule out an increase in the expectations towards core inflation. So this can provide a, quite a mixed message. And it's interesting. it would be interesting to see whether this would be the case and how the ECB will navigate this. Uh, especially in the context of the um, rather significant uncertainty and also the, the hawkish Fed. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'd focus the most on the updated forecasts, the rhetoric uh, with regards to um, the inflation expectations and also whether they would want to clearly guide the markets with regards to the upcoming meeting. Yeah, so I think we're, we're pretty much all in agreement there, really. And I think a 50 basis point hike pretty much guaranteed um, as things stand, markets are in a terminal ECB rate of around about 4%. Um, again, as we've been saying for some time, that may even be slightly conservative even still. Um, so let's see if, if next week's meeting confer- confirms that, that theory. Um, whatever happens, I think it's going to be a, a very interesting one to follow. Uh, moving on now, before we, we touch on our spotlight currency, I wanted to briefly uh, talk about the recent optimism surrounding China's economic recovery, uh, which has been uh, in the news of late in the last uh, sort of couple of weeks or so, particularly after data out of China blew past expectations uh, last week, notably the business activity PMIs, which have now surged back above the level of 50 to the highest level in a number of months. 
this has raised hopes and expectations of a, of a pretty strong growth rebound in China this year after exp- expansion slowed to just 3% in 2022. Um, this has also led to a bit of an improvement uh, in risk appetite among markets, although Powell's hawkish comments earlier this week have, of course, erased much of this optimism. Um, but, but, but what do you guys think about this data we've seen out of China, um, and particularly this noteworthy underperformance we've seen in CMY, which has actually lagged behind some of its peers following the data? It's, it's I mean, first to, to, to address the, the, the issue of Chinese economic recovery, I think that we're going to see upward surprises coming from the from China, like this one with the uh, business activity indicators uh, for a while. I think that uh, markets are probably underestimating the strength of the rebound, the strength of pent-up demand in China, the strength of the balance sheet of Chinese households, which is considerably stronger than, than Europe and the U.S., where we also saw significant rebounds in spending after the, the lockdowns uh, were removed. Um, so that's going to be the backdrop, I think, for the first half of, uh, of 2023, uh, at least. Uh, the Chinese authorities are also interested in, in, in recovering from the uh, loss of popularity that they seem to have experienced uh, due to the lockdown measures. So they're going to be encouraging this, this uh, stronger-than-expected economic recovery. Um, I think that in terms of the impact on the FX markets, uh, the euro is generally the, uh, a beneficiary from Chinese outperformance and Chinese economic strength. So I think that's uh, that's one of the reasons why why I would expect uh, the the euro to outperform in the next in the next few months as um, the uh, exports to China recover. It, the data from China was quite interesting, uh, especially since it uh, was much better than expected, and some indices actually reached levels not seen in many years. Uh, I think one index, it was even the highest in a a decade. Um, And uh, to some extent, this could reflect the previous weakness, um, because this is the PMI indices generally refer to whether the conditions improved or deteriorated compared to the previous period. However, at the same time, I think that it's clear that we are seeing a significant rebound in the Chinese economy, that this rebound is taking place earlier than expected. And I think that this is uh, likely going to provide a positive impulse uh, for the rest of the world, uh, at least for most countries. Um, With regards to uh, Europe, uh, on the one hand, yes, you are right, Enrique, with regards to exports. But at the same time, I think that Europe, to some extent, has been benefiting from a limited LNG demand from China in uh, the previous year, which to some extent perhaps uh, allayed the issue of the energy crisis. Uh, And right now, when the demand from China for energy is going to be back, uh, I'm not sure whether this would not uh, provide a floor uh, under the gas prices, uh, which could, on the other hand, be a bit problematic if we were to see um, an uptick in the the prices because of uh, China. So this is something that I would be uh, watching. Also, with regards to news from China, mm, we have seen uh, some mm, red flags. Uh, One thing is that they set a relatively low uh, growth target for the 2023 of around 5%. They seem to be erring on the side of caution when it comes to fiscal support. It's uh, possibly will be rather conservative and uh, and rather limited. 
also, um, there is some uncertainty whether they would not want to uh, conduct more crackdowns uh, on parts of the private sector. And also with regards to China, we need to remember that the currency is sensitive to political news. And uh, we had quite a lot of those in the past few weeks and months. We had the balloon saga uh, with the US. There is also a risk of possible uh, Chinese support uh, for Russia's war effort. And also there is uh, Taiwan. So uh, I think that the headlines around those matters uh, possibly waited on the Chinese yuan uh, in the past few weeks. Super. Okay, we're going to move on now and finish up with our spotlight currency uh, of the week. And this week, uh, the currency we have chosen is the Norwegian krona. Uh, as we tend to do, we generally pick a currency for the spotlight section that is either over or underperformed of late or has been in the news. Um, uh, and and Knox certainly falls into the latter of those car- uh, categories. Uh, indeed, it's been the worst performer in the G10 so far this year. It's down around about 8% against the US dollar since the start of the year. Uh, why is that the case? Well, it's partly has to do with the krona's uh, status as the least liquid currency in the G10, which means that the prospect of higher interest rates globally tends to have a disproportionately adverse effect on the currency. Uh, for its part, Norges Bank, which is uh, Norway's central bank, has also been one of the more dovish in the G10 of late, having been one of the first to revert back to a standard 25 basis point rate hike. Uh, but is this sell-off set to continue, or does this present a good buy opportunity? What do you both think? Is it time to buy, sell, or hold the Norwegian krona? Oof, it's... it's uh... Pretty much the definition of a falling knife. I mean, it is at, uh, at the multi-year uh, minimums when you you compare it to the uh, to the uh, sec to, to the Swedish krona, for instance, which is uh, it's more more direct uh, peer. I think it's at the lowest it has been since the year in 2021. I think that we're going to see uh, that the, in, in terms of central bank attitudes and policies, uh, the central uh, central banks tend to follow the lead of the Federal Reserve, and I think this sort of uh, semi-dovish turn by the Norge banks is going to to be reversed at some point in the next few months. And at that point, markets are going to realize that the Norwegian corner is a very attractive currency at a very cheap valuation. Uh, so um, even without factoring in the impact on, on what I th- expect to be higher oil prices due to the stronger than rec- expected Chinese recovery, I would say it's a buy. For me, it would probably be a halt, but I don't have a strong view on this particular currency. Uh, it's certainly a very risky bet, and I know a handful of EM currencies that are uh, far less risky than Norwegian kroner. Uh, I, uh, we have relatively low interest rates in Norway. It's to 75%. We have limited prospects for further monetary policy tightening there. Uh, far more limited, at least uh, it appears to me, compared to the uh, European Central Bank uh, or the Federal Reserve. So it uh, would be difficult to see a boost from monetary policy there. Uh, also, uh, with regards to uh, oil prices uh, and the energy prices, mm, uh, it, it's quite a difficult thing to, to forecast uh, commodity prices in general, but I'm not sure uh, 
what uh, how big of a room oil prices have uh, to rally, which would allow Kroner uh, to recover. So uh, I think that probably it has been a bit oversold, but it is a risky currency for me. For me, I think it's a, it's a good buy opportunity, actually. And I think the sell-off that we've seen has been a touch excessive. Uh, you know, the narrative in markets of late has been pretty much all about recessions. Well, I think the, the risk of recession in Norway this year is actually very low. Um, global oil prices, which are very important for the currency, also remain elevated above recent averages. And as we've been saying, as Enrique mentioned, I think Norges Bank may also still have some some room to go yet in raising interest rates. So Norwegian Krona, a clear buy opportunity for me. And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening.